Captain Love Cowboy is the only reason this movie needs to exist, frankly. Yeah. He's very handsome. His, he has great hair, and I love his, his voice, that smoky voice of his. Oh, it's great. It's, just It just does it for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're getting warm mm-hmm. all over thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's chilly in this room, but uh, he's warming the cockles of my heart. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of What a Disaster Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory Allen. Today I'm accompanied by Richard Sawasinski. Hello, Greg. And Liz Bador. Hello, everyone but Greg. Wow. Okay. Rude. Uh, I mean, no, that covered everybody. You yeah. said hi to me. She said hi to everybody else. So, perfect. Um, we can get this housekeeping stuff out of the way here. If, you're, uh, if, you're, if you are listening... And you love us, or hate us, or any want to engage us in any way, we have ways, right? Yeah, we absolutely have ways. Liz, do you have ways? Yeah, like crystal balls, marriage yeah. proposals. She likes balls and proposals. That is the way to Liz's heart. Damn it. <laughs> For the rest of us, you can you can hit us at Podwad on Twitter. Yes, Wad podcast can. on Instagram because we're so consistent. Very. very uh, we have a website, whatadisasterpodcast.com. I have to fix working. the DNS record. We still haven't fixed it. All right. Well, yeah. it's there. It'll eventually work. Obviously, you can subscribe to us, and you should definitely give us five-star reviews because we're clearly a five-star podcast. I, I, I'm, I participate in only five-star podcasts. I mean, that's the only kind of podcast there is, really. Yeah. Uh, alternatively, you can call and leave us a voicemail or text message us, or maybe we'll just answer, right? That'd be great. Yeah, we got a phone number. I'm What's not going to sing it today because my throat's a little jacky. You're not going to sing it. It's but be it's 209 781 9113. Yeah. Uh, yeah, last week, Richard and I got to the bottom of the submarine based thriller Operation Disaster, which was like a 1951 movie sure or 1950 was. movie. Yeah. So now we just we have gone to the future. We're in 1951 whole for today's movie. And today we will be <laughs> discussing, like always. We're disgusting. Uh, today we'll be discussing the 1951 disaster movie, When Worlds Collide. So, a year later, we're ready to rock and roll. We're, we've gone from submarine disaster to intergalactic disaster potentially i don't know that it's in another it was from another galaxy it's probably from the milky way it was confusing how how any of this really happened but the science was sound we were assured yeah repeatedly we were assured that it will definitely the worlds will collide this is definitely happening um so now that the movie music is played we can get to the first challenge question richard the 1951 film when worlds collide was direct, directed directed by <laughs> Rudolf Mate and based on a book written by Edwin Balmer. Ricky, I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and I need you to break down the plot of the movie, please. This movie is about the Earth being destroyed by another planet in what is basically the most epic um, representation of pool table physics you'll ever see. It's about starting over again with like Noah's Ark, but in space. So I didn't really put anything on the timer, but I'm sick of you talking, so please stop. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Liz, I'm actually going to time you. Ready, set, go. Okay, so as Richard was saying, there's a planet and a star coming to 
hockey puck the earth out into the far reaches of space and I guess just kind of take its physical place in space. And the movie is about trying to set up a Noah's Ark kind of situation to get creatures and people onto this planet that is going to occupy the place that the earth once was in. And there are lots of miniature sets and cute things. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. Um, And I'm ready, set, going. So this one is about the preparations for what we are. It's established early on. We are definitely losing Earth. Earth is gone. It's going to be missed by a planet, but the star that's chasing it is just going to fucking wreck Earth. And uh, so everybody's trying to get all this stuff ready. They're building a rocket ship to take off from Earth to land on this unknown planet traveling through the, the universe in a completely different direction than the Earth. And they end up building it, and people shoot each other, and they end up landing, and it's great. The end. Spoiler. I'm going to have to beep out that end part. Beep out the end part, then. I want you guys to know how it goes. Yeah. So, the um, I, I, I don't want to award points on this one, because I got yelled at for it last time when we did Endgame. So, <laughs> you guys are going to have to decide the winner and who gets the points and how many. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Don't be shy. I 36 know points, each other. and uh, Greg gets them. Greg, you win 36 points. Yeah. All right, I'm vetoing the points. I think I'm worth at least 10,000, so I'm taking (laughs) 10,000 points to me. Um, Yeah. Uh, IMD describes the movie as follows. As a new star and planet hurtle toward a doomed Earth, a small group of survivalists frantically work to complete the rocket, which will take them to their new home. Yeah, so... Yeah. I mean... Frantically. Frantically uh, work. And they, they had eight months, right? For the the start of the movie opens with um, the the pilot Dave David Randall David Randall I call uh, him Captain Love Captain Love yeah a, you know what he looks like a Captain Love he kind of looks like a 1950s version of Daniel Craig to me I was thinking like Han Solo like the early an early yeah Han he's Solo. got he's for sure he's got that kind of look what do you think yeah. He, some call him the space cowboy. Some call him the gangster of love. I mean, after this, after the end of this movie, he is a space cowboy. He is. He is, he is a space yeah, cowboy. He really, yeah. he, he makes it work. But yeah, so the beginning of the movie, we, <laughs> we, meet, we meet Dr. Love Han Solo, and he's- Captain like, Love. What? She's not, he doesn't, he didn't go to school. The love cowboy? Is that what he is? <laughs> oh, I love the love cowboy. Captain, Captain Love Cowboy? Captain Love. Yeah, so Captain Love Cowboy <laughs> is introduced to us early on, and he's given a black box that's like wired shut. That's not by... how he's introduced to us. He's introduced to us with a lady in his lap while he's flying an airplane that only is supposed to fit one person. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Fine. He is... Captain Love Cowboy and had a woman on his lap. He like dips. It, yeah. At like one point, you're like, what are the implying's happening in that cockpit? Uh, there's a reason they call it a cockpit. Do you know what it is? Actually, I don't know. Me what? neither. I'm sure there's a reason for the etymology, a wiki. but I'm not sure it what it is. Um, so you're right, though. Other than that, it does. They do just give him this yeah, mysterious I mean, stuff. He, he, He's a he smuggler. Gets, he get, exactly. He gets this mystery package from a college professor. I mean, he is Han Solo, <laughs> and he's tasked with taking it to another professor to confirm. Well, he doesn't know really. He just has a black box. He doesn't care. He's just uh, in yeah, it for the money. It's, it's yeah, very it clearly a lot of money. money. Yeah. It was like a lot of money. Um, so he shoots. He gets it. He gets it handcuffed to his body. He has no idea what's in it. He keeps getting offers from newspapers to like. $5,000, $7,500 to open up the contents and show them what's in the, the black box, right? 
He was like, no, no dice. And then at the like finally at the airport he arrives and the what uh what's the 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 woman's name? I can't remember her name. It's like you Joyce. It? Joyce. Joyce. Yeah. Um I didn't give her a nickname. She's just He Joyce. basically immediately is saying, I'm taking this woman home with me now. So yeah. I got a better offer. Yeah, here's my better offer right here. Uh, basically, is what yeah. he's. I mean, I think he actually says, "I'm, I'm actually entertaining a better offer," and looks right at her. And it grabs his dick. It was. Yeah, he just grabbed his dick grabbing. right at her. This is weird. You can grab a dick at somebody. He did it. <laughs> what do you think about that, Liz? What do you think about Doctor Love Cowboy? Are you in? Yeah. Are you like? How do you? Captain feel like- Love Cowboy. He's not a doctor. He yeah. uh, he's very self pitying. He talked a lot about how he was going to sacrifice himself for the good of others while Joyce emotionally was emotionally unavailable and slowly backed out of the room. Specifically the introduction. What what did you think when you first saw you Captain Love Cowboy? No. Were you as primally attracted to him as I was? No. I had sex with my phone because I was watching yours, it on Greg. my phone. Captain Love Cowboy is the only reason this movie needs to exist, frankly. Yeah. He's very handsome. His, he has great hair. And I love his his voice, that smoky voice of his. Oh, it's great! It's, just it just does it for yeah. me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, We're getting warm mm-hmm. all over thinking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's chilly in this room, but uh, he's warming the cockles of my heart. <laughs> ZSMAP, Dave Randall from Johannesburg, cabin monoplane. Request permission to land. Over. Hello, Randall. This is Russ Curtis, Mark Kenna Field. Visibility fine. Take runway three. Approach from southwest of 500. There's a car waiting here to take you up to Dr. Bronson at the observatory. Over. Over. Thank you, Montana Field. Like, there, there's some ominous discussion when he gets the black case, and then when he lands with the black case, still more ominous discussion. And then we find out that, yeah, the, the guy detected this star and planet approaching the Earth, and it's definitely going to destroy the planet. Yeah, no doubt about it. Zero, zero doubt. I don't know. Now, I don't know if in 1951, if we had the astronomical know-how to make that assertion accurately. I don't know that we have it now, considering <laughs> we hear about all these asteroids that might hit us, and they're, they're oh, yeah. like, well, there's a chance, and... They were like on the nose at uh, one o'clock. It's gonna hit in June. <laughs> yeah, sixty-five days and thirty-two hours. It was like eight two months, hours. But <laughs> eight months, six days, fourteen minutes, thirty-five seconds, or some. They had it like, down to. A- they had it down to the the the, the hour, which yeah. is just absurd. But at this point, we hadn't even been to the moon. Twenty years away from going to the moon, I believe. So okay, so yeah, we we landed on the moon in sixty-nine. So eighteen years. Yeah, still, it's a, a, a voting age adult away from making it to to the moon. So we do get one of my favorite tropes in disaster movies. You know, it just goes back to like the Superman story. It might even go back further than that. But when scientists go to the world, they're like, listen, man, shit is going to hit the fan and we're all fucked. And the entire world's just like, eh, you're just making it up. I mean, you have like this guy who looks like William Barr at the United Nations. He was just like, no, man, you're making this up. You're, you're, all, you're, a, lot, you're a crackpot. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's always been fine. So, to be fair, two scientists yeah. say that this is absolutely going to happen. Oh, I think Every it's fair. other mind on on the planet was like, no, this isn't going to happen. This I think it's fair, but it's in every disaster movie from here on out, this oh, is going to yeah, happen. Yeah, like they, Geostorm. Uh, uh, another thing that's happened in a lot of our disaster movies, newspaper exposition. I, I loved that, actually, <laughs> in this. 
the all the newspapers showing all the headlines constantly throughout the movie. We're seeing new headlines about crackpot scientists, or <laughs> oh my god, actually the scientists are right. We're fucked. <laughs> yeah. it, it's amazing that the world continued. Yeah, I also really like this part because all the newspapers looked like they were from different time periods. Um, there's one from like the late 1800s all the way up to like you know modern 50s looking, but they definitely used some cowboy fonts. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it was the fonts were all over the place. So there's two things here, Greg, and I want you to kind of recap where we are before we go to a break. But there's two things. Um, Nick did mention that during the meeting, um, they actually the other countries were making ships too. So it wasn't just the United States. No, no. And so at that meeting of the United Nations, they talked about every other country talked about it. Later on, they definitely bring up everybody else. Other countries are making ships too, which is good. Otherwise, it's just like this white. Anglo-Saxon, like, uh, utopia. Otherwise, it's just yeah, it's America. The white people, yeah. <laughs> part of America. 1950s America made it to another planet first, of course. All right, I'll pay for the rest of your arts. One thing, I select the people who'll go with us. This won't be a commercial liner. There may be space for 40 or 50 human beings, some machinery and livestock. The minimum needs to begin a new life. You're not qualified to select those people. Nevertheless, I reserve that privilege. Make up your mind. It is made up. You admit you don't relish dying. You're willing to put up this money as life insurance. The guarantee that if the world ends, you'll be among the few with a chance to reach this new world. That makes my proposition a simple one. Your money for your life. All right, Sidney Stanton. Uh, there's, there, that's the only other pop point we really need to touch on. Sidney Stanton is the rich guy. Um, the wheelchair guy? He was kind of a piece of shit like, yeah. from the get-go. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big shithead. Yeah. Um, you get introduced to him. He gets this great bargaining scene where the, uh, the main doctor guy the Joyce's dad he was just like no you don't even get to pick anybody we'll take your money but you don't get to pick anybody who goes on this ship and and he goes what about half he's like no you don't get to pick anybody right I mean it's not like he's the only one that was invested in this there were countless people that spent money building this ship yes they got a place on the ship no they didn't get to pick who the fuck went it was it was funny because a negotiation I didn't go anywhere in a modern movie they never would have included it but it definitely was like I think it established his character yeah it was, um, they could have done it other ways that didn't take so long, I suppose, <laughs> or done it in parallel with um, actual plot points. But well, they could I, have done I, it. I was not adverse to a lot of it. Voluntary forces of people building these things throughout the United States so that more than, you know, 40 people would make it. <laughs> like but they made it very clear at the United Nations. They were like, look, if you don't start right now, you're fucked. You're yeah. not going to make it. You're all fucked. Um, it's very Geostorm. Yeah. Yeah. They do. They, apparently, they did convince enough people because other countries did have ships going out. They did ha talk yeah. about that later on. That more, more, uh, more and more nations managed to get the money and resources uh, together to to build, which something. is good. Yeah, because <laughs> there was not enough people on that ship to, for humanity to survive. No, not even enough women on that ship for humanity to survive. Yeah, definitely enough rabbits though. We'll talk about that which when we get two. to it. Yeah, definitely enough rabbits. Two rabbits. <laughs> that's a, that's a couple. Two rabbits, of two goats, one dog, and a litter of puppies. <laughs> glad we got that glad we got the puppies yeah well that that dog and litter of puppies is going to be snacks oh yeah real soon <laughs> so at this point we've established that the nobody believes that the planets are going to collide and there are a few millionaires building this thing anyway so that they can get as many people off as they can which is not very many uh in 1951 and now we're in the midst of building this stuff getting ready to to 
figure out who's going to go and how they're going to get there and all this good stuff. How we're going to build it. Yep. Richard, that corner. <laughs> so St- Steven Spielberg actually approached um, a screenwriter named Bruce Joel Rubin to do the remake remake of this film. And they did remake this movie, but they changed the name. Can you guys guess what, what movie, 1999 film, was this movie as a remake? Disaster movie. Star Wars? I don't know what movies came out in 1999. Not Star Wars. I know. I was kidding. <laughs> I was being facetious. Being Have you seen the movie? Um, Deep Impact. Oh, really? Deep Impact. They had the um the arcs, but the arcs. Were I haven't on the... seen Deep Impact. So deep and Deep Impact, it was meteors hitting the Earth, and they built these arcs, but the arcs didn't go into space. The arcs stayed in the ocean, and just there to ride out the uh, yeah a little different devastation because the yeah. the Earth definitely was not surviving in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it changed the name because it came so far away yeah, from the source material. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was supposed to be a remake of this movie. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. It was it was a like I liked this movie. I'll yeah. I'll say that now. I, I really yeah. had fun watching this. What other facts uh, you got? Oh yeah, uh, John Hoyt, Doctor. Uh, he plays um Doctor. Uh, he plays sorry, he plays a rich guy, Sidney Stanton. Yeah, uh, he was actually the first Doctor in the Star Trek um, pilot, so he was originally the gonna be Bones. Star Trek in the original Star Trek. Yeah, the original Star Trek TOS. TV show. Yeah, he was going to be Bones. He was in the pilot, and they kept him in the pilot when they aired it, but he never was in the other episode. Oh, interesting. They're actually all the actors were famous uh, television actors. They had all of them had large. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're going to smash our heads together and talk about the second half of When Worlds Collide. Hilarious. <laughs> Good pause. When Worlds Collide. Written in the stars is a message of doom for this, our world. And now in the most shattering experience the screen has ever given you, Paramount tells what could happen within your lifetime when worlds collide. An astronomer checks and double-checks his horrifying discovery. A distant star racing through space toward an inevitable collision with this planet. The United Nations meet in emergency session. All conflicts pale before this threat from another world. If you wait until the danger is visible to the naked eye, it will be too late to escape. High on a mountaintop, an army of scientists worked desperately to build this giant rocket, this modern Noah's Ark to carry a few picked survivors of our doomed civilization to a new life on another world, reaching the heights of self-sacrifice, the depths of the animal lust for survival as they fight to be among the few who can be saved. Let's take the ship away from them! Come on! Fighting among themselves, fighting against time, as doomsday is upon them. I think all you scientists are crackpots. Nothing is going to happen. When worlds collide. All right, well, we're uh, we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the What a Disaster podcast. I'm, I'm sure that was a back. super long break, and Richard probably put like some fucking audio from the trailer or some shit i'm sure the trailer audio for this movie is fantastic what hey do uh you guys what you guys want to do you guys think we want to do we're like we're at the part of the movie where they're trying to build this like rocket ship arc thing it's the top thrill dragster you know what i forgot to mention the biblical references at the beginning of the movie that are very scarcely touched upon throughout the rest of the movie there are some certainly parallels to to the the noah's ark story but there's religious symbolism pushed throughout this whole movie. Nick Khan described it as like this um conversation like this balance between reverence for God and science. Yeah. There was yeah. a they, they would like slow pan on like a Bible sometimes. And 
Well, no, they were showing what what prank. books were they were taking with them, oh, and it was yeah. like agriculture books, mathematics books, the Bible, um, yeah, stuff, to, stuff that was going to save need. humanity, yeah. information and knowledge that was going to save humanity. Genealogical could survive on this planet that they absolutely know nothing about. The genealogical records in the in the Old Testament are going to be paramount to yeah. surviving. <laughs> well, I mean, it's important to have a reference of the forty white people they were alive at that time. Yeah, that made it through. Um, let's, you know what? We're going to start this, this return from the break with a challenge pop quiz number what? two. So this movie stars Richard Durr, Dare, Durr, Dare, Dare, D-E-R-R. You pronounce it how you Richard-er. want. Richarder. Richarder. It is much more Richard than you. Yeah. Richard more. <laughs> I'm over here Richard Inc. and he's Richarder. He's yeah. Richarder. You're Richard, he's Richarder. Somewhere, well, somewhere there's a Richardist. There, Richardist. <laughs> uh, Barbara Rush and Peter Hansen, who were all pretty well-known TV stars at the time. Uh, give us the question. Into the microphone, preferably. Okay, so... Richard Durr was also in Star Trek. And this is kind of a trick question. What did he play? Greg, you go first. What did Richard Durr do in Star Trek? Uh, Security officer. Uh, He was the computer. Gregory was closest. Uh, He was a... He actually starred as two different flag officers in Star Trek. All right. (laughs) Two roles? Two roles. Two different characters. That's quite a flexible actor. Greg got 5,000 points because although he prefers 10,000 points, he said security officer or something instead of flag officer. Yeah, you know, cool. I'll take the 10,000 points. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just take them anyway. Here's a quick question for you guys. This movie did win an Oscar in 1952, an Academy Award. What do you think it won, Liz? I would guess special effects or something to do with the sets. Richard, what's your guess? Uh, Best sound effects. Special effects is right. This movie had won an Oscar for special effects. It was nominated for best cinematography and color. It was pretty badass. It yeah. really like I didn't know that it was. Uh, I knew it was effects. I thought it was. Uh, I actually just think it was like uh, uh, the sound effects that they won it for. But I didn't know it won an, won an Oscar. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. It, it it won an Academy Award. Barbara Rush, Joyce Hendren. She had to have been in other things. She was in a lot of TV. She was actually in episodes of Murder, like, She Wrote. Yeah, 115 movies or actress things on her role. Yeah. She was even in Seventh Heaven. Uh, I watched She that. was in the Batman series for two two episodes. Which her name was Batman? Nora Clavicle. Oh, nice. <laughs> she did not do a lot. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, but she did not. She was not in very many long-running she did like three episodes, four episodes, one episode. Of yeah, TV she was just show. a working, working actress her whole yeah. life. Yeah, it seemed like. Seems, I mean, if it was good enough for her, it seems like she deserved better. She was pretty good. Your dad and I have talked about this, and the decision was no dog. Lucky for me, you got a mind your own. From Aaron Spelling. There's just something about a woman with a wrench. It's threatening <laughs> yet appealing at the same time. Comes a celebration of life, Seventh Heaven, this fall on the WB. Discuss plot points, how supportive Joyce's dad is. Dude, he was just like, whatever, I know you've been dating this guy and you're like engaged or whatever, but fuck it, go date this pirate ship captain that you just met. (laughs) Of the sky. Sky pirate Captain Love. (laughs) Captain fucking sky pirate or whatever we're calling him. Here's the thing, though. He wasn't just go ahead and date him. Out of the very few people who are going to survive this whole ordeal, he was like, I'll make sure he's one of them. I really want you to be happy. So we'll have both guys you're dating on this 
rocket ship. You well, one's a pick. doctor, a medical doctor, and there are only he was the only one of, on the planet at the time. Yeah. Apparently, right? God right. forbid that. He, no, I mean, he was friends with him. It's like it's you know, it just funny. you gotta bring the guy. He was like, this guy can fly a plane. We'll make sure he gets on there. Yeah, because you like him, because you have a crush on right, him. Right, right. I want you to take your time to figure out your feelings. Everybody else has eight months left, but you got forever. Right. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it'll um, be fine. I would. I, I gotta say, I'm impressed with how stable the world maintained, r- remained throughout the process. Everyone here. was very calm. They had religion. There was that was definitely yeah, oh, uh, very ha- that was more than implied that everybody went and prayed yeah. and riot. Yep, that was it. Instead of rioting, they prayed because it works every time. It definitely worked this time. Back to back to like David and and Joyce. What the fuck? Like, what was going on with she that? She just was lusting after him immediately. Well, her fiance, Doctor Douche, Doctor Cuck, Doctor Cuck. Yeah, he yeah. really is Doctor. Yeah, Cuck. right. You're right. Right. All right. So, so her Joyce's fiance, <laughs> Doctor Cuck. Yeah. He. Did he, you say uh, racist fiance, Doctor Cuck? Yeah, I don't know if he's racist. Is he racist? Let's assume fiance. he is. It's 1950s. Yeah, so. he's, he's racist, <laughs> probably. Allegedly racist, Doctor Cuck. He he's 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 um engaged to be married with Joyce, right? Yeah. And Joyce meets. Um, he was a third wheel in his own relationship. Yeah. Like as soon as Captain Sky Pirate showed up, <laughs> Sky Pirate Captain Love. Yeah. <laughs> if a Sky Pirate Captain Love shows up and. She falls for him immediately. They don't even hang out. They're at a party together once. And after that, they had a relationship, apparently. I have no idea what was going on, like how they built this. How did she decide to leave her lifelong partner, somebody who was, she was presumably in like some sort of like long term committed yeah. relationship? Thank Maybe you. relationships were just different in the 50s. Where... They were. We don't understand them, which is why I'm baffled. There's that one scene where he's talking about how he doesn't feel that he belongs on the arc and like doesn't want to waste the weight and she just kind of like backs out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> she she's like, like holding his arm, telling him he matters and he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to die. Why not? Like, and she's just like... <laughs> millions of other people are going to go. I might as well too. Who gives a shit? And he had a good attitude about it. He was yeah. Like, uh, he was trying to remain the selfless man. He d- he never really was like desperate or it, they never tur- like they never flip it on him to make him out to be some kind of bad guy and like he turns on people to say look i'm getting on this ship whether you like it or not like he's a, he he maintains that selflessness throughout star casey right i don't figure in this new world for the past couple of months you and i have been telling recruits that the few who will make the trip will be needed in the new world scientists like you your father tony farmers and mechanics you have things to offer but won't be needing aerial taxi drivers for another hundred years. Dad promised me that... Dad said we'd need you. Thanks. Thanks, but Noah would have turned down my application fast. Dave. I'm not applying for this trip. So basically... Where we're at is there's 600 people building this rocket ship. Yep. And they're going to be included in a lottery system because in the 50s, Everything, all survival left up to games of chance. Yeah, it makes as the most I can sense. Tell. They had yeah. everything they needed with the single people of every valuable skill set as opposed to multiple valuable skill sets. I mean, it is a random lottery system, too. They're not like, okay, we need women and men. So let's make sure of a certain age, you know, we got to, humanity has to survive. No parameters. You pull the fucking piece of paper from a hat, 
Either you won or you lost. Yeah, they, they gave Shirley me numbers Jackson, and then they posted the list of yeah. numbers of who was going to make it uh, on a, on a dorm wall somewhere. Super and silly. That was the end of it. Like like who like who got the starring role in the play? Right. Was, <laughs> yeah. The list will be posted in front of your first hour class. <laughs> Other than that, though, it was kind of like fun, uh, a fun way to get make sure everybody was involved in working. Like those people were invested in getting that rocket ship built. If they had gone the way the rich guy wanted to go, like you wouldn't be able to find anybody to build a rocket ship. Yeah. But instead, they had 600 people willing to like take a chance of surviving. Right. You see, but they weren't like, we no, no, we need 20 women and 20 men or anything like that. It was just, and you're going to be fucking. They were behind schedule by <laughs> the end of the fair, movie. It isn't fair. It isn't right. Where's the breeding schedules? If it's based on weight, shouldn't we have like more babies, more children? Well, no, because then it would, if they're, if there are complications through young life, they wouldn't be able to have children later on. Yeah, fuck kids. Yeah, leave them on the yeah, planet. You gotta, right. you gotta make sure that people are of of optimal breeding age yeah, to ensure between the, the age of like twenty and like twenty six would be, probably be the people you'd want to send up there. I mean, in the fifties, it was probably like sixteen to thirty. Sixteen to twenty two. After that, you're old. Sixteen mate. to whenever, because apparently Spinster. grandparents have a million kids. My mom was the first at ten. So, oh my god, terrible people, all of them, ruined the planet. My parents? Yeah, your parents. They didn't ruin the whole planet. They fucked up a pretty good corner of it. Yeah, but responsible. You know, just <laughs> close to me, that's all. So they're building this fucking rocket ship. Uh, the plots kind of slow down, but we do get the point where the star comes and hits, right? Is that on this part before? No, first, so first, let's, let's go. I, I want to talk about the moment where they're somehow exactly fucking right to the hour that the planet oh. is buzzing Earth and is affecting tides and causing earthquakes and everything. Two things about this drove me nuts. First, they had it to the fucking hour, which is absurd. That is like perfect math and science, period. Yeah. And second, why weren't they prepared for it? They had it down to the damn hour, but they weren't bracing themselves or anything. They evacuated the coast. Right, but what about the people building the thing that was supposed to save their lives and letting oh, cranes yeah, was, collapse? And it was pretty sloppily built. You figured you wouldn't screw some of the stuff in, knowing it was going to sh- possibly shake loose. Right, you'd be like, you know, right. it's coming. Yeah. Move the shit away from the very important ship so that nothing can collapse on it or kill the people around it that are going to be necessary for getting out of the planet. I mean, have you seen a carny work? You can get something up pretty quick. They would have had it all dismantled, and then like once after the earthquake, they'd be like, "Let's go, let's get right. that fucking thing put together." If a carney can have a Ferris wheel down in a day, you can figure out how to that how to have that <laughs> scaffold out of the way. You know, a couple days in advance. Hire some fucking carnies, amateurs. Down to the hour math that you had nailed on the head. Can awesome. I just say how awesome I thought it was that they built that room on hydraulics? That and room shook it all up. I love that. I was going to talk about <laughs> that. That so was cool. amazing. Yeah. They probably used it for Star Trek, like everything else. <laughs> no, the, in Star Trek, they just wobbled around and pretended right. it was shaking. Shook the they shook that damn room. You could room tell, on like, yeah. They wanted this to be a big budget movie. And it I was a big I didn't budget. Look at the, it showed. I didn't look at the budget, but they spent everything they could on special effects. This is where this is where we started to really see the the special effects budget. It looked great. Yeah, the room the, shaking was really cool. Was they cool. did awesome model work. They did awesome practical effects. The room shaking was fantastic, dude. I loved it from here on out. When I finally got, when you finally get to see, yeah. the 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 disaster strike and the fifteen the, minutes of special effects they had available to them. The, they the really made you wait for. The that they put into <laughs> making that pretty was super duper high. My friends, it is imperative that you listen closely, for this is a matter of life or death. Your lives, the lives of everyone on Earth. At one o'clock on July 24th, Zyra, a new planet, will pass so close to the Earth it will cause vast destruction. 
There is no doubt about the coming of Zyra. Remember, there is no doubt. The um, Dr. Space Pirate of Love, whatever we fucking decide. No, sorry, Captain Space Pirate of Love, whatever we decide to call him. He doesn't want to go, but Joyce's boyfriend, the doctor, Dr. Cuck, goes, you don't understand. Joyce's dad is the only other person who can fly <laughs> yeah. the plane. When he Dr. Has a- Cuck convinces the, the her, his fiance's boyfriend yeah. to stick around. Yeah. What is that all about? Dude, so good. Because he convinces him. Because the guy wasn't going to go. Yeah. He convinces him to do it by saying that he's the only other person who can fly the plane if um, Joyce's father dies from a weak heart, which he has. He knows because he's a fucking doctor. Right. And he looked at it. And doctors shouldn't be talking about this stuff, but this is humanity, so we'll make the yeah, exception. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. Well, I don't know that HIPAA was a thing no, in the fifties, but <laughs> it you know, still. And then, like, he immediately, Doctor Space Pirate Love runs out and starts making out with Joyce in the window. Like, but like, they're up in the plane or up in the rocket ship cockpit, yeah, and he yeah. runs down and starts making out with Joyce. But the doctor cut can still see them. The and he camera, just starts smiling yeah. while they're making out. It's just, it's so weird. It's like, super weird. <laughs> Whatever you know, great. They'll hold that dynamic, that whole so love triangle. For, he's got he's got like twenty women to choose from after this. Yeah, so. but Joyce never goes like, "Hey, Doctor Cuck, man, like, I know we were really together. We had this whole thing planned. Nothing, no, no explanation. Yeah, whatsoever. Just, he knew. He saw the writing on the wall and was just like, "All right, fine. You know what? As long as she's happy, I'm happy." Which is like the least realistic way to deal with that situation. I'm not going to be stuck humanity. on a unfamiliar planet for the rest of time with you guys. The or rest anything? of time, just you know, a couple of years, you die eventually. Yeah, they'll die. Yeah, yeah. Time, Everybody dies. One time's day. relatively yeah. short, right? Especially on a hostile planet you've never been to. Time is our shortest material. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so then, wait. So then we have like. So then we have the tidal waves. There was a rescue mission, kind of like just a time filler, but we do get our first first helicopter. At 48 minutes in this movie, right? Yeah. There's a helicopter. We did. It's been a while since we've had a helicopter. I feel yeah, like. and is this early? This early in like the disaster movie genre? I was tickled. I was tickled. Yeah. Tickled yeah. pink. I loved it. And I loved that helicopter, too. It was great. It was, so uh, cute. It was uh, um, Richard's Fat Corner. It was uh, The rescue helicopter was a Hiller 360, the UH-12 the UH model. A very, very popular helicopter at the time. Challenge question time. I want you guys to give me your closest answer about the meteor that they suspect killed the dinosaurs how many megatons the megaton equivalent of the meteor that they think in the chicksa club chicksalub crater impactor whatever okay how many megatons do you think that was how, how big was the explosion yeah in megatons yeah megatons uh, a thousand 230 Hang on. I have no idea what megatons is in relative to um, the Manhattan Project. It was an estimated energy of twenty-one to nine hundred twenty-one billion Hiroshima a bombs. I like I could not even give you that number. How many? Uh, the, how many Kirby punches? That's about the fifty megatons, that? by the way. Fifty. Fifty megatons times. You know, nine hundred twenty-one billion. Okay, Liz, you were closest. I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now, like in this movie, they have a star that's going to hit the Earth. So, I mean, I don't know that there's any sort of comparison that we yeah, can pretty big. legitimately make. So, to, to kind of wrap up our plot, basically, we have everybody rushing to build these fucking uh, rocket ships. We're getting to the end. We have like seven days left until the Earth is going to be destroyed for good. This is not a joke. This is going to happen. Absolutely, the Earth is dead. Yeah. You're all dead. Everybody's dead except for 40 people. And now we know that Dr. Space Pirate is going to, or sorry, 
now we know that Captain Space Pirate is going to get on the ship. I feel like the word the love ship. was in there somewhere, too. Yeah. Captain Love Space Pirate Man. Yeah, he's going to get on the ship. Captain Space Love. Han Solo, Captain, uh, Captain Pirate, Space, Space Pirate. Love. Captain Love Pirate. Captain Love Solo. He is kind of a love pirate. He just steals that lady. He did. He's he a love pirate. And he didn't even try. Like He, he was never just, has to. He never had to. He was. He's too much. The booty came to he's him. Too much man. The booty too comes to him. He's a space. He's a love pirate. The booty comes to him. This is good. So this is good stuff. We're gonna hit it. We're gonna hit a break. We're gonna take a break. Gonna slap that break? break right in yeah. the face. We'll take one more break, and uh, we're gonna come back for the smashing gonna, conclusion. Really? That's what you're gonna go with? You're not even gonna let <laughs> yeah. me. All right. Well, I was going to say we're going to hit you with the end here, but, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, both those. You're going to smash you with the end that we hit you with? I'm going to hit you here in a minute. Smash you with my smasher. I'm going to hit Rick during the break. We'll we'll talk to you in a bit. We'll talk about beers. Oh, yeah, the beer. We'll get back. We'll get back. When worlds collide, you'll see the most amazing, awe-inspiring scenes ever put on film. The forces of nature unleashed in all their terrifying force. Tremendous tidal waves smashing New York City. The molten fires from the bowels of the earth gushing out to consume our world. Uh, we're back. By the way, just as a heads up, so we we uh we're gonna we're gonna polish off when worlds collide, right? We're gonna. Yeah. This is what it's like when worlds collide. Now we get to actually see what it's like when worlds collide. Oh, it's magnificent. Um, I have I have some concerns. Oh, now you do. Humanity should have been cooked long before they launched off of that fucking thing. That star, you think? That star being that close to the planet. Should have been cooking people. Look how far away we are from our sun. And right, that, that's what's happening, right? So it's a planet with its own sun that's hurtling in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. of like our planet. Let's just assume that multiple, either multiple solar systems or multiple. Um, well, yeah, clearly multiple solar systems, but probably multiple galaxies are colliding. Are colliding. Yeah. Right now, at this point, and we just happen to be the unlucky crossfire of the. It's team. like another black hole happened, and I'm sorry, sorry, another big bang happened and shot space out in another direction. We have a big bang shooting well, no, space out I in mean, our direction. The galaxy didn't have a big bang. The universe did. I think it's the universe that had to collide for the, that to happen, wouldn't it? No, the universe is everything. There are millions of ga- million, billions isn't of galaxies. Isn't everything expanding outwards? So the 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 big bang, your your scale is too small. You're you're not seeing. Imagine that. Yeah. So the (laughs) the biggest thing ever. I can't scale properly. Exactly. God and Jesus are playing pool, and Jesus just scratched. Infinite, right? (laughs) Like, there's no way that the universe is truly infinite because then there would be infinite stars, which means there would be infinite light in the sky, and it would always be bright out because there would be light everywhere all the time, right? God. God. Anyway. Damn it, Greg. Anyway, welcome to the Infinity Podcast. The We're fucking, here for Infinity. The goddamn star got so goddamn close it would have cooked the fucking planet way before we were ever able to escape. Yeah, we'd have been that should have been priority one. And then when they left, they would have been like, "Oh my god, my family is being cooked to death." This That's is, all that would have been happening. Are we bad people? <laughs> are we the are bad people? Are we, are we the, the bad baddies? guys? Um, yeah. Flight attendant, where's my seltzer? <laughs> uh, that was a big problem for me. Mm. The takeoff was a problem for me. They had that whole room on hydraulics and made everybody shake and look like they were shaking when there was an earthquake. But when the ship took off, everybody's just sitting still and then they go to sleep. Because it was like out th- from the G-forces. three dozen uh, lawn chairs 
tossed in somebody's yeah, like, like living just, room. It was it, was, it, was it so was pathetic. It was pathetic. <laughs> and when he, the G's, it was supposed to be what the G force was supposed to knock you out. Yeah, it was but just they, like very clearly they were not under any sort of G forces because they were just sitting there. Like we were watching TV. Like yeah. I just fell asleep during Matlock. Nap time. And who knows what they're fucking doing with all the animals? Did they have all the animals strapped down in their own individual little cages? Or all those little bunnies just bouncing all over right. the place, squished to the back of their cages, no. turning into little fuzzy pancakes. They go to check on the animals, like, oh, oh, oh we should have really paid more attention, Steve. Everybody <laughs> needed their own space raincoat, like we all have. <laughs> those weird, like, canvas ponchos yeah. they had on. Can you give a bit like their idea of a spacesuit? That's the best we could come up with. That was that was the biggest disappointment, especially when all the other effects were so good. And then they're just like a bunch of people sitting comfortably like they're at the movies. In ponchos, yeah. In rain ponchos. <laughs> yeah. It was it was kind of a bummer. I, I like the uh, fuel gauge. I mean, I, I get that they don't it was they hadn't really been to space a bunch. I didn't have to been to space at all at that point. I don't know what we shot in space at that point, but um they spent the whole movie talking about how much fuel was needed and how precise they had to be. And the fuel gauge they had was taken off like a, a 46 Chevy. It's just this little like needle. Yeah. Tiny needle. <laughs> Back and yeah. forth. They said E, one quarter. <laughs> like, we got a quarter take, boss. I hope we can make it. I mean, to be fair, it was the 50s. It's not like they could get much more granular than that. I So the- They're tapping it. The like, computers <laughs> that they took in some of the first manned space flights were so under so much computational duress- from all the data that they were getting all at the same time that they basically looked like everything was broken and everything was just completely dead <laughs> to shit and they were fucked. But uh, nice. that was just because it was overwhelming. The they machines. made the computer it was basically panic. putting exactly the computer was going into an error state. And in 1951, it would have been much worse. So I don't even know what they like. They can't use a gravity ball to determine how much fuels in there because they're going to be out in space. Abacus. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just was a silly little fuel yeah, cage. I mean, pressure, like a pressurized system is all that, that you, I can think of. Maybe at least like have how many gallons like you have on it. Like, all right, we have 15 gallons, we're at 14 gallons. But you know what? It's a ship that they're going to use once. So why well, get Whatever. super worried the gas about gas cage it. is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, you just need an idea of how much you're going to need to get through your thing, right? To, yeah. You just need to know if you're going to be able to fucking land or not. And it wouldn't matter anyway because it's either dead on Earth or dead in space, or dead crashed into this planet. If they're going to die. Those are the three ways it's going to happen. Or three most likely ways it's going to happen. I would say the most likely is they're just going to get cooked to death by <laughs> yeah. that fucking sun running. Most likely you're just going to get cooked. Yeah. All right, Greg, 30 seconds on the clock. Tell me how this movie ended. This movie ended by getting a whole bunch of white people onto a rocket and gently shooting it into space as quietly and relaxed as they can uh everybody took a quick nap and then they woke up and they were on another planet uh that was that was pretty much it and they got off and they saw how beautiful it all was and they they were on the garden of eden it was it was beautiful liz three seconds on the clock how did this movie end a bunch of white people got off of a spaceship and stood in front of a painting that's true the end true. it was very clearly just a uh it was a painting. A painting. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a math painting. Yeah. Uh, they rode the top thrill dragster at Cedar Point to a painting. No, they didn't ride the top. They sat on the top thrill dragster, but it didn't <laughs> go anywhere. Uh, I got 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, so this movie ended. You guys covered it pretty well. A bunch of white people went to another planet and escaped the devastation of Earth. Uh, 
But at the end, there was also a point where the rich guy Stanton and Joyce's dad decided to stay behind. Because they're old. Yeah, to save weight. But Joyce's dad made the decision because the rich guy brought a bunch of guns going, people are going to revolt. Yeah. What ends up happening is people did revolt. They found the guns that the rich <laughs> they guy used brought. the guns that he brought. Yeah, and he went after them. And then Joyce's dad was like, fuck this. We're staying behind. But the, the you know, I feel like uh, the rich guy was so uplifted by his ability to save humanity that he walked at the end. Because he did get, he got up. Yeah, he got then, up off of it and like, stumbled forward. Walking. I, yeah. He was so filled with joy. The majesty of that rocket. Yeah. He has no idea if they survived because he's fucking dead as fuck. Yeah. So I have one more fact for Rick's Fact Corner. Rick's Fact Corner. Ding, ding, ding. The, uh, the matte ending. The, the, the ending was, as you guys said, a matte painting. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful painting, not a realistic yeah. painting. It was supposed to be a placeholder for special effects. So oh. they put in there like, okay, hey, we're going to build mi- a miniature like planet. They're going to yeah. build out of miniatures. They just put that in there to show like people who are finding the movie. Like, yeah, a representation is, of what it would be. Exactly, a representation of what it was going to be. They ran out of money. That got put in the final product. Whoops. What I loved about that, so I have a theory about this movie. It is a prequel to Aliens. Because at the very end... <laughs> You see, like, the, the camera, like, uh, pans, and it pans over, and you see this monolith, this giant structure. It looks like something out of Aliens. Like, H.R. Giger lives in there? it. Did yeah. I miss that? It was, like, this alien yeah. structure oh. built on the planet that, oh, obviously, the that actors somehow. had no idea was there. I must, they, have cut, I must have ended it as soon as I saw the matte painting. I was like, okay, this is it. <laughs> it was so silly, but yeah. So, I always, it looks like a prequel to Aliens. They go, they go into that alien structure. They find a bunch of black goos. Somebody makes a xenomorph. Yeah, there's an Earth in the alien universe. Yeah, there is. <laughs> they got to get pool balled away because <laughs> that's like, like, what happens. Dude, they very like that sun, ju- that star just blasts right through Earth and it explodes. This Earth is- does not survive. Want to do our reviews? Uh, are you ready to do our, our reviews? Review? Are big. what about these user reviews you printed out for me here? Oh it's yeah, this- yeah. Read those after we do ours. One star. I'm not going to read this whole review, but basically, it's good. This guy's like, "Wah!" There are people not doing realistic things because the like they had one fucking hope to go to this other planet or fucking get blown up by the sun, by this star, right? Yeah. And that star, by the way, was going to affect everything else. Uh, everything else's gravity in our solar system. There, he was just like, "Did it really think the other planet was going to have the same conditions of, right. as Earth?" I mean, they, they, really just, that? they were hopeful. <laughs> they were really hopeful that it like, would. The storyteller has no control over those elements. Like yeah. the story, like the story, te- like the story writer can't write that. A much into better the story. ending to this movie would have been they all get there and then die as soon as they he open op- the door. He opens the airlock. <laughs> they didn't even have an airlock. They just had like a side panel crack open on the ship. Yeah, uh, everybody's dead. The end. Great, terrific movie. Thanks. He goes, the acting and the script were terrible. The acting was really solid like, for the most part. It's 1951. Yeah, I, I don't think he's got context. Dude, uh, username, Vaklabruck. Vaklabruck. Yeah. You come give us a one-star yeah, rating. Yeah, give us a one-star you know review, Vaklabruck. Vaklabruck. We, we also got a, a four-star review in here. Yeah, from uh, somebody whose name was not left. I didn't leave. I didn't, uh, it's uh, Tem. It's Temlacos8. It's oh, not, yeah, there you yeah. go. Temlacos8. Uh, so I would say that... He's right because it is this movie is more story and character driven than um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for than spectacle driven. Like yeah. the special effects were great, but they were secondary to 
these characters and what they're going through to try and save their tiny little splinter of humanity. You're supposed to care more about Joyce and Doctor um, and uh, sorry, Captain Space Pirate of Love, right? Than anybody, than, than you, you were. You're about... supposed to care care about the white people yeah. in this movie, which is basically what. And they did say is. other planets had or other countries had ships, so presumably they will encounter those other cultures on this alien planet at some point. Yeah, and he makes a good point. He says the science, the science in these movies is if it, if you're expecting the science to carry the film, it's a bad movie, anyways. The science never carries a film in these. It's yeah, the science no. is always a throwaway thing. It's, Find me a disaster yeah. movie where the science is actually legitimate. It's it's the so one fun. about the astronaut who gets stuck on Geostorm. Mars. Geostorm, Armageddon. It's just not fun if it's too close to reality. Oh then man, it's the like, Martian's really fun. good. Though. It's so good. The Martian, really I loved good. the Martian. The Martian's about as close as you can get, and even that had problems if you like dug into it. I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Of course, but it did. I didn't want to. I was believable enough for me. I was just happy it took that much time to get that believable. Yeah, and it was entertaining, but you know, spectacle. You know, it was that movie. That movie was very. He, Matt Damon did a great job. Yeah, he did a great. Anyway, job. we're not talking about that. We're talking about. So those are great. Collide. Those are two reviews we picked out. I agree with uh, uh, Tamla Coast Eight. Also, I, I I can see the points in both of them. Yeah. But giving it one star because you I don't pick like, on the science yeah. because those ignorant people in the fifties, they didn't know right. what do they fucking know? They didn't have they didn't know what a fucking text message was, idiots. <laughs> but I'm sure they could figure it out if you said, Hey, I sent you a text message, they would go, Oh, okay, that's probably something I'll fucking read. Oh, a telegram? I'll go get I'll go <laughs> right, get that. Right. I'm yes, dumb. So that's the, the only way in the fifties to send a message that is text. See? <laughs> that's what they all said. See. Liz, we're gonna start with you. Stop. What's your what's your what nope. did you love? What did you dislike? And what's your final final score? Score? Score. score? score. What's your final score? It's my score, but I scream it. Scream score. <laughs> so I really like the sets and the special effects, and that was pretty cool. Um I even like the painting at the end, like you said, it was pretty. It's Kind of sad that they didn't do something cooler than yeah. that, but yeah. you know, it's, it's cool. All right. Um, it was a nice movie for its time. I enjoyed watching it. I give it four out of five stars. Four out of five stars on the what Lister is okay? Scale. What I forgot what our scales were. The scale. It was out a ten, 10 out of yeah. ten. It was, yeah, it was like I mean, it's not whatever you want. You can make it four out of five stars. So that would make matter. it eight out of ten. You always change it. I stand the joke behind is that. You never on say the Lister scale. The Lister scale is ever changing. We use the Richter scale because it's. A yeah. thing for it's, it's a play it's on the Richter scale. It's a pun, Liz. Because the Richter scale is what it's they like a disaster movie thing. Yeah. 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 Did you get it? I do. And I'm I'm the Richter. And his name is Richard Robert Sawasinski. Richard Robert Sawasinski. Are you what the fuck, Richard? Are you going or what? Uh, uh. Yeah. My God, I said it. I said Richard. What did you like? What didn't you like? What's your final score on this? This is a fun movie. Good talk. <laughs> Care to narrow it down at all, or yeah, it was super fun. I liked it. It was uh, we had a blast. We had a blast with this movie. He said, "Care to nail it down?" Yeah, it was fun. I had a blast with it. It was super fun. I modified fun. Let's get more specific. I got more specific. What about parts of it in particular did you have fun with? The special effects were special. They were special. I agree. They were great, uh, especially the sets. But I like the sets in all these old sci-fi movies. I just I did too. Kitschy. I like it. I enjoy it. The acting was great. And we basically got our Han Solo character. I mean, I'm sure there's other early examples, but he's right there, right in front of us. And you can't really uh, watch this about being excited about that if yeah. you're a nerd like me. So I, I give this 
An 8.367 on a Richter scale. 8.367. It reminded me of uh, Cracking the World a little bit, which I had a lot of fun with, too. Yeah. It was no Dr. Uh, Cancer Hands (laughs) and his uh, magnificent journey through life. Cracking the World was much more ridiculous than this, I feel like. It It was. was. All right, uh, Greg, what did you like? What didn't you like? What things would you just want to talk about? I really liked, I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough how great the special effects were. I did like that. It was very much a uh, story-driven movie up until the end, and they make they make the stakes clear at the start of the movie. You're fucked. Do this, and um, <laughs> you're fucked. Th- they they moved it from there, and the I felt like the 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 sets and stuff were actually pretty good. They looked brutal and utilitarian, and they weren't the aside from the ship looking very sci-fi 1950s. For the most part, everything looked utilitarian. It looked like it was just how it needed to be made at the time. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that. The rocket was close enough to what yeah. we actually ended up doing. That was, that was actually kind of impressive. For sure. They even had it separate at one point. What I, uh, what I was less enjoyable were some of the like unnecessary kind of plot points. Um, Sydney, the mad fucking wheelchair guy, blanket boy shooting his Butler or whatever. Oh yeah. Like the, I mean, I would have liked either more um, drama in the 600 people that didn't get to go uh, or no drama from that. Just right. hearing about it more in the peripheral as opposed to any the, how they did it, which didn't feel like enough. They had like, they, they we didn't talk about they shoehorned a relationship in there. Yeah. Like they like, oh, those two people got separated because one person got and the other person didn't. And it's like they would have done things to control that kind of stuff in that scenario because they would have, they should have known. So in the, in this movie, there's uh, a couple that they both drew their their things. One of the couple got picked. The other did not. But the only reason you know they're a couple is because in one scene, they're sitting next to each other like cuddling. Being a couple. And yeah. you don't, you, there's no weight to their relationship at all. It didn't, they didn't need to even show that to us for them to come in and move us with a story about how they made the decision together that they're going to stay together on Earth. So I will say before we close this out, the one thing I didn't like and I forgot to mention. Can it. I give my score? Oh yeah, give your score, dude. I'm sorry, I thought you could give your score. Tangent. Yeah. My God, <laughs> I'm going to give this one a seven point eight on the Gregster scale. Oh, it's a good score. Yeah, pretty solid. Not quite an eight out of the ten, but it was overall. I I, I really enjoyed. I'm I will watch this movie again for sure. Okay, what I was going to say was Captain Space Pirate at the end when he looks over at uh a Doctor Cuck and he goes. You fake the cardiographs. That well, was yeah, no shit. You that was the fuck. most. That was the worst line in this movie. He just oh, looks yeah, over and he goes, and he, he just, just gives him a smirk. <laughs> because the other guy, because he woke up, the other guy was already flying to plane like a pro. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, you fake the cardiographs." It's like, okay, dude. That was what your takeaway is right now. Maybe you should be flying this fucking plane and worrying about getting us humanity saved. Maybe that should be your concern. Your one job. The only reason you're here. So I close this motherfucker. We can close out. this motherfucker out. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Cinnamon? No, just that that might have been the cuckiest thing Doctor Cuck did the whole movie. What about you, Sugar? I just <laughs> I'm with Liz when she says cuckiest cuck thing that's ever been cucked. I'm I'm with her. All right, and Toast is here to say follow us on Podwad Wad Podcast on uh, oh Podwad on Twitter. Ooh, Ooh. Wad Podcast <laughs> on Instagram. Go the right way, or you might follow. End up you know, bad. just do do your thing. You know, we we'd love to hear from you. You can email us or whatever, wadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can text us, 209-781-9113. It's, it's there. Yeah, we're, we're here for you. We're, we're here for you, but you're not here for us. But that's what's been bothering me. The important thing right now is 
Okay, we're not here for anybody. We're leaving. We're leaving. So I'm leaving. Liz has to go to work. Richard probably Bye. wants to go to bed. I'm not Yeah. Exactly. Okay. of coffee in her copper coffee pot. She stank a stinky stink of stinku in her stinky stinkle stop. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I want the wood with the woodchuck chuck, the woodchuck could chuck wood. <laughs>